I'm Lemuel Gonzalez, repentant sinner, and along with Amity Armstrong, your heavenly host, I invite you to find a place in the pew for today's painless Sunday school lesson, Without Works. In today's episode, we're going to look at two men and what their lives amounted to in the end in Not Necessarily the Good News. And then we're going to finish our trilogy on the places that you could, oh, the places you could go <laughs> with a discussion about heaven. Heaven. On June 8th, 2023, Pat Robertson, televangelist, three times decorated veteran, political consultant, media mogul, presidential hopeful, philanthropist, founder of Regent University and the Christian Broadcast Network, died in his home at the age of 93. He had a few close calls in the closing years of his life. He had taken a bad fall from a horse in 2017, suffered an embolic stroke in 2018, and suffered another fall in 2019 in which he broke three ribs. Despite all this, he continued mostly regular appearances on his syndicated television program, The 700 Club, which he had hosted since it began in 1961. The 700 Club was the first television program of his Christian broadcasting network, which went from a local Virginia Beach station to a cable network in 1977, eventually the Family Channel, which remained on the airwaves until 1997. Robertson was affiliated with the Southern Baptist Fellowship. Is it my job to pipe in with, he was a monster of a human being? I'm surprised. I thought you were going to say something no, about it. I'm going to. <laughs> this is my experience with Pat Robertson. Uh, he was on, the 700 Club was on every morning in our home. Wow. Uh, daily? Oh, I guess daily. it's still on daily. It's on, it was dark, during weekdays. For, okay. And it, it was started at 7 o'clock on one of our local stations out here. And ran for an hour and a half. May I ask what the 700 Club refers to? 700 Club was when um, when he first, and he actually did, Pat Robertson, for all the weird, horrible failures later in life, he he did the work of starting going to school, becoming a minister. Um, he was part of a mission in New York for a while in an actual slum. Uh, he went to Virginia Beach. He returned there with uh, like $7 in his pocket. And there was a television station for sale. He wound up getting 700 contributors. Gotcha. He contributed enough money to buy this this uh, this television station, a local television station, for like $7,000. This is very odd how that a never came. A whole television station? Right. That's well, wild. it was a local television station. It was station. also it was the UHS. 60s. It was right. the 60s. So... Um, so anyhow, he was in our home a lot growing up. He had a uh, possibly the first African-American broadcaster with him, Ben Kenshaw, I found that out today, uh-huh. doing research, who hosted, co-hosted the program with him. And I think that's really why it was palatable to us or to my family growing up. I never really paid as much attention as other people did, but it was always on in the background while everyone was getting ready to go to school. Right. right. And now, when it's on mm. the the uh, the <laughs> the channel that it runs it now, right, is is forced contractually to do so, right, and puts a disclaimer before and after every episode that they do not condone what is being right, said. Exactly. Um, so that tells you where he was at the end of his life. The Pat Robertson I was familiar with as a kid years ago 
is not the Pat Robertson that people remember now. Um, I was watching some criticism from some younger people who really shouldn't have mentioned it, you know, discussed the subject at all because they have their own views about religion in general. One of them went on to say, well, he started speaking in tongues, and when that happens, that's when you know you're crazy because there's no such thing as speaking in tongues. That's a mental condition. It's like, no, we've already discussed that. But it was, again, somebody who was not a doctor or educated. This is just some random guy from the Young Turks speaking out of turn, basically. And it's like... that He's speaking his opinion, which he is allowed to do. Right, but no, it's not a mental condition because we've already discussed that. It's an actual... uh, if not a spiritual manifestation, certainly a psychological one. Glossolalia um, and xenolalia, and we talked about that Or performative on. actions. Or it could be <laughs> performative actions, but saying that a person's automatically insane if they start speaking this way is not appropriate, nor is it informed. Is it but yeah, it, and insane. first of all, you shouldn't call anybody insane. That right. doesn't actually mean anything. That is basically a slur at this right. point. So, so the, the, the Pat Robertson that I grew up with was... Sitting next to a black man, he was doing missions to prisons. He started uh, a very um, kind of uh, a very important in terms of this is where philanthropy comes in uh, organization called Operation Blessing that did everything from get the uh, the first footage of the famine in Ethiopia years ago. Mm-hmm. That later sparked the whole USA for Africa mm. uh, event, and also down to still helping people at her, after Hurricane Katrina mm. to repair their homes and to send carpenters and actual uh, like Habitat for Humanity, right? Medical technicians and things and like that. Doctors and, without borders, right? Exactly. They supported those same organizations right. and worked in tandem with them. So that was the Pat Robertson that he became later on. Uh, I honestly feel he had a lot of issues. When I, I saw some uh, an interview with him from CBS this morning a few years ago. Was, okay. And at this point, he's 76. Okay, he died at so 93. several years ago, okay. Um, and he was already being very cagey and strange about his ideas about God. Well, God spoke to me and told me to run for president. Well, I believe God spoke to me, but obviously I was mistaken. And when he was being cornered by this interviewer about, do you actually believe that God's speaking to you? Yes. Right. Followed by, well, why are you saying such horrible things about, let's say, Muslims or saying, Mm -hmm. because by then he'd already started this sort of decline. Right. And and he kept very coyly falling back on, uh, oh, I can't change the message. I can't change the message. That's what it says. It's like, no, this is how you interpret what the Bible says. And you're also telling people that God is speaking to you. Yeah. So you're interpreting this as, oh, I don't mean to tell you that if you're a Muslim person that you're condemned to hell, but the Bible says. And so I had that same. Right. I mean, that's what people, when I identified, self-identified as a pagan in mm-hmm. college, I had a Christian um, girl. She wasn't a woman yet. We were all children. We were 18 uh, mm-hmm. on my floor. And yeah, she would be like, oh, it's. You seem like a really nice and together person. It's too bad you're going to burn in hell for eternity. And I'm just like, cool. Your God's awesome. He's an awesome God. Which is something <laughs> we believe too, but not for the same reasons. Woof. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I feel like 
the, he was already cagey. He was already sort of measuring out his words. He, but he was playing a game, clearly, with how much money he made personally from the sale of the, of the, the family uh, channel when it was sold. Um, he was very cagey about making money from diet supplements at one point. This is in his 70s. And there was an issue, I think, and we've discussed this about when there's no one to tell you no any longer. Yeah. That he began to go off the rails. So, it feels like for the last 20 years, right. no one around him was like, you can't. Right. You've got to pull back. You can't be talking on television every day I, because you're saying right. heinous, terrible things. And I honestly feel like when Ben Kenshlow, you know, the African-American announcer that was with him, uh, they would do things like they would go into prisons and have prison crusades and they would televise these and stuff. That really um, feels like some white savior nonsense, not too. Not really, because they were going mm. into a prison that was... Very mixed, you know. The, the, one of the, the no prison in the in the United States is very this one mixed. Was, this was like uh, every they were doing a lot of, and one of the things I saw today was when Ben came back and they sat down together. They're throwing back these memories of going out and helping people, you know, get water on their farms and things like that. And I felt like there was a period of time when I was watching him as a kid that were good things were actually happening. But then at some point, you know, after Ben left, he began sort of going off the rails and he was getting support from all of these people, younger people, who were using him as a puppet for their political views, particularly after he ran for president. He wasn't just a... He knew what he was doing, He knew though. what he was doing. So he I, wasn't just a puppet, you know what I, I mean? I don't but think that he was still... He was... He's obviously self-aggrandizing. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh -huh. That's what it sounds like. All the good works he did mm -hmm. sound to me... Like things he could put on a resume rather than things he or was things doing that you do. because God told him. Because meanwhile, mm -hmm. God is telling him that all these people are going to burn in hell because right. they don't believe what he believes. And he he was famous. So what's the point? What's the point? At one point, um, and he was aware that he would catch himself sometimes. Other people caught him. It's like, no, you cannot say that we have to assassinate the president of Venezuela. No, you wow. cannot say that... I believe that one of his statements, the, the infamous one, was that the reason why there was an earthquake in Haiti oh, no. <laughs> was that Haitians, in order to be free from slavery, made a pact with the devil to help them overthrow the French. And as a result, there's misery and poverty in Haiti. So for... you're telling me that the only way they could mm -hmm. escape slavery was by signing up with the devil because God was on the side of the slavers? No, he didn't That's say a, that. But what that is did, the implication. What he did say <laughs> is that, that what, which is actually even more troubling to me, is sort of the notion that they turned their back on God to engage with the devil because it was closer to their nature. Oh, yeah, that, no, that's... That's even worse. It, it might be worse. Uh, but it's like... Oh, but no, also, right. if you've been enslaved and you're praying to God and mm -hmm. God is allowing you to stay enslaved, then they didn't turn to the devil. I want to be clear about no, that. No, no, this but is, this is I nonsense. wouldn't blame them for this doing so. This is not so. history. It's okay? not, but... It's not spiritual history. It is not metaphorical history. It's not actual it's, history. It sounds like... Joseph Smith levels of conspiracy well, theories and things. It's he began making statements like this, and increasingly, as I was as reading, he was just in. It sounds mean, but an increasing state of de decrepitude. Yeah, 
He's fallen off a horse. He's broken three ribs. Also, He's... why are you on a horse at 87? Oh, I have no idea. That's, once again, one of no the... one around him looking out for right. what he should and shouldn't be doing. He just surrounded himself with people he paid. Right. So they just let him do whatever right. he wanted. Which and is what happens to very rich people. See also Michael Jackson. Right. Same deal. It's reminded me more and more the more I watched or heard stories about him growing older and seen clips about some of the things he said of the character that Peter Finch plays in Network, oh. where there's a man who is suicidal and profane and wants to commit suicide. He rants about this on the air, and the ratings go up, so they just keep having him on having every on, week yeah. going on these rants. And this is what it began to feel like, because there are points or clips where you see him talking to his co-host. He still has an African-American co-host who did near, until near the very end, this time a young woman, um, and saying things that were like, wow, did you just ask if mac and cheese is a black thing? It's like, did, he also famously blamed AIDS on the gay. Like, that's what yes, he, he, he said, that that was what gay. I haven't deserved. began to scratch the surface of things he hated, all right? Uh, communists, non-Christians, because anything can be possessed, including images of the Buddha that you bring into your home or worshipping uh, uh, Allah as opposed to Jehovah, which is the same God, really, but whatever. Yeah, right. Um, but the thing <laughs> is that... Uh, also peoples of the book, but you yeah. don't know history, There, there was a, a weird combination of high education and superstition in a lot of what he was teaching, especially near the end. You know, you can bring a, a possessed artifact into your house and spread evil spirits. Um, yeah. Things like that. And so, in the end, he just got to... But I haven't even begun to scratch the surface of his absolute loathing for any kind of homosexuality. And that's what I want to focus on. Right. He died during Pride Month, and you better believe uh -huh. that the, the whole of the queer community was like, huzzah, right. another reason to celebrate, or maybe the only reason to celebrate this particular Pride, mm -hmm. since they're being targeted by legislation in every in every state at the moment. Yeah. Uh, almost every state. We're not doing that, thank goodness, but like... Mm -hmm. It's not a lot of, to celebrate during Pride this year, uh, and you better believe they celebrated the oh, death of this sure man because he yeah. was a monster and he created more monsters. That was, I think that possibly near the end also he had a moment of clarity and rejected Donald Trump, even after he put Donald Trump and made excuses for him. He put him in place and then realized, oh no, I think he's having. He in his own state said. I think Donald Trump is having a mental health crisis. <laughs> and, and it's one of those cases where... If you, someone in the midst of their own mental health right. crisis indicates that you might be having a mental health crisis, mm -hmm. you should seek help. Right. The issue that we're having now was really started when Robertson and Jerry Falwell mm -hmm. and Oral Roberts began getting involved in politics. Yeah, courting the Catholics so right. that they could... Stop segregation. Right. So awesome. And so, or keep segregation, right. excuse me. Yes. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, we also lost another leader, one that you haven't prob probably mm -hmm. haven't heard of. Uh, and his name was Welton Gaddy. And I'm going to read a little bit from his obituary because we didn't, well, I didn't know who he was. So mm -hmm. we're going to learn a little bit about him together. 
Interfaith Alliance's former longtime president, Reverend Dr. C. Welton Gaddy, has died at the age of 81. He was a beloved leader and an inspiration to everyone who cherishes both religious freedom and democracy. Welton's journey took him from being a rising leader in the Southern Baptist Convention. It's not the same as the Southern Baptist Fellowship, is that correct? They're united. They're united, okay. Mm -hmm. So the same place that Robertson mm -hmm. came from. Into one of the most respected voices seeking to ensure the First Amendment's promise extends to all Americans, regardless of faith or belief. It does not go without notice that we are remembering Welton just as the LGBTQ plus community is celebrating Pride Month. Welton wrote about full inclusion and dignity for LGBTQ plus people long before many other religious leaders. Across so many areas, Welton used his platform to project a vision for America that was inclusive of different beliefs and respectful of every individual's inherent dignity. He was unwilling to accept that any religious tradition in this country should take precedence over another. Over the course of 17 years, starting in 1997, Welton led Interfaith Alliance and established it as one of the leading advocates for religious freedom. Under his leadership, interfaith work was not a bunch of people from different faiths coming together just for the sake of optics. It was about building relationships between communities so that together we could have an impact on the critical issues facing our nation. Among Interfaith Alliance's many accomplishments under Welton's leadership were an incisive paper making a case for marriage equality from a faith perspective, his passionate advocacy challenging anti-Semitism, anti-Muslim bigotry, and other forms of hate targeting religious minorities, and it should be noted here that he was the head of the Interfaith Alliance and doing this work on and through September 11th, 2020, yeah. or 2001. So, at the height of anti-Muslim bigotry. And the, he also uh, worked for the protection of the vital boundaries between religion and government as he pushed successive administrations from both parties to avoid unnecessary entanglement. Reverend Gaddy increasingly focused his ministry on the relationship between faith and public life. He joined Americans United for the Separation of Church and State and served as its president before leading, leaving to lead Interfaith Alliance in 1997. There are few people that have made such a lasting impact on America. And we have um, one final piece, that in 1991, he became senior pastor at Northminster, a church affiliated with the Progressive Alliance of Baptists, which now proclaims to people on its website that, quote, every part of you is welcome here, your gender, your race, your politics, your theology, your sexuality. Sounds like a Unitarian church. So this is a person who almost was the antithesis of Pat Robertson, at least at the, the end of his life, and came from the same tradition. Um, we talk very often about division of church and state. Right. And right now in this country, a religion, if you could call it that, because mm -hmm. it's not really based on the Bible, even though they say that it is, is though a, an extreme minority is making all the rules at this mo moment because the Supreme Court has been basically hijacked mm -hmm. and uh, these kind of people are getting on everything from school boards to right. state congress congresses. Um, so it feels like 
he may have died from looking around and going, what have I been doing for all this time? As early as 1973, he uh, said a prayer in Washington, a Southern Baptist breakfast. Uh, Forgive our worship of civil religion, which equates nationalism with Christianity, confuses governmental policy with your will, and interprets patriotism as blind allegiance. He was very much ahead of his time. There's a reason that the Southern Poverty Law Center has uh, declared Christian nationalism a terrorist organization. And it is. It is. Yeah, it's sad to see that you, it's almost like we lost a good one and a... A good one and a bad one. A bad one. I, I felt very confused about how to write that down because I still, I don't know what to say about a person after they're gone and say this person was bad. And what's, and especially we don't given, have to say anything. Right. Whatever happened, Pat Robinson, Robertson is where he's supposed to be. Right. Whether that's nowhere, yeah. if you're an atheist and you believe he's nowhere, whether he, I don't think he's burning in hell because I don't believe in hell. But if he goes where he where his beliefs would dictate mm-hmm. he goes, he's burning in hell. Mm-hmm. You can't do the damage that he did no. on the on the level that he did and go I, anywhere good after you die. I just th- there's two men who struggled very hard for opposite sides of the same faith. And that's both the the strength of Christianity is that there can be a multiplicity of versions of this faith. The weakness of it is that there's a multiplicity version of this faith, and some of those do really horrible things, and ignoring the actual teachings of religion itself. But I know that Walter Gaddy has gone on, or Walton Gaddy rather, has gone on to his reward. Yeah, of that, I'm and we're hopefully his legacy lasts, and, and it sounds like mm-hmm. he's got a deep legacy with both politicians and right. the faith community, and hopefully he's stirred enough passion to keep it going into the future. Now we're going to talk about heaven, you guys, in The More You Know. There are many ideas about heaven in the Old Testament. Like Christian ideas about hell, they have developed over time. In many cases, it is ambiguous. In others, it is very detailed. The book of Revelation has a very detailed vision of the throne of God, and it has influenced poetry and art for centuries. At once I was in the spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were twenty-four other thrones, and seated on them were twenty-four elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne, there were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in the front and the back. Oh, angels. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man, and the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the twenty-four elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worships him who lives forever and ever. 
They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord God. You receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your willing they were created and have their being. Revelations 4, 2 to 11. Can I, I need to say some things. <laughs> I, I can read it in your face. This is something that was written by someone who was high. Ayahuasca, it, probably. I don't think it was written by someone. This is the, this is the, the apocalypse, rather. The revelation of St. John the Divine. He's on an island in Patmos, right? He was starving to death, he and he was delirious. Sees, he sees, he believes... Jesus appearing to him, um, and the difference would be if this was written by Saint John, this would be the youngest of the disciples who remember what Jesus actually looked like. But uh, interesting fact: Jesus is described as having woolly, fleecy white hair and skin like bronze. That seems right. Right? Can you tell me what Jasper and Ruby? What They're, is the appearance of Jasper and Ruby? Also, why is the rainbow only one color? This is Jasper. <laughs> Okay, so he's... And a ruby is shiny, shiny red. Yes, so he's red in color. Right. Not a not a white man with a flowing white... No. The rest of that description very much sounds like but Zeus. But it doesn't mention a beard. It doesn't mention no. all the sort of picture... The but the, but the... The... Um, flashes of lightning, mm-hmm. peals of thunder, that's Zeus imagery This is also... All day. Remember, at this point... Um, it's written by, again, if we take it at face value, it's written by St. John. He is writing coded messages to the early churches that are, at the time, being uh, persecuted. So all of these have symbolic meanings. Some of them are references to the book of Daniel. Some of them are references to uh, events that have happened in the past and the state of Rome. This is where we get our ideas about the Antichrist, which actually... Uh, we- He's got the red color. Rude. Right. <laughs> but what this is a very symbolic, very colorful idea of heaven. Yeah, but all of these things. Evangelicals and fundamentalists believe, believe that it's, it's literal. literal. Right. What a nightmare. Yes. What a living nightmare. A, and we saw this. If you saw like, an angel the way that those, that's what those living right. things are, covered in eyes, six wings, those are supposed to be angels, right? right? Angels. Nightmares. The, there's a, and we saw this oddly. Movies keep coming up today. Hellboy. About, okay, I was like, this, are we going to talk about dogma? No. The second film, uh, Hellboy, there's a scene with actual seraphs. And that look like they have six wings. They have, you know, almost like the way that Del Toro uh, right. imagines them. You know, he went this and went. Oh, yes. I want to make it so bad because <laughs> it's and, and a living nightmare. An interpretation of them close to what they're supposed to look like. It is really terrifying. What is that? Also, just all day, every day. Yes. Phrasing this person or that, this this entity—that's mm-hmm. wild. There is a like, how low is your self-esteem if that's what you have to have a, around you? A line that uh, Peter Cook has in uh, *Bedeviled*, where the devil tempts. Uh, uh, is that the original? Yeah, with okay, because I've and never he, seen that one. I saw the one with <laughs> Brendan Fraser. But he has a, a line where he says, and he has twenty-four men bowing before him, tell him holy, ho- telling him holy, holy, holy. And he has the nerve to call me proud, right? That's the thing. So, I'm like, well, that can't, pride can no longer right. be a deadly sin because if 
if not this, <laughs> then what? But also, no yeah. other god before me, which I want to talk about later well, we'll because it later means that, it, that are, there are other not gods. Another, <laughs> uh, another verse that we'll be covering that uh, discuss, we'll discuss that briefly too, but this is the version of heaven that really is the version of heaven that you see in the Sistine Chapel. Yes, it's the fair version enough. of heaven Except that you see. Not that. Right. Well, no, part. it's toned down for people because they don't want to be horrified by nightmares. And also, if that's what I read, I'd be like, what's hell like? Because I don't want to go to this. <laughs> well, this seems this terrifying. There's flaming torment for eternity. So you if I don't have to look at the thing with all the eyes, right. uh, that's fine. But um, the book of Revelations also climaxes with the New Jerusalem, which is a another Jerusalem very much like the old one, only done in materials that are built that are, can't be destroyed, and it comes down from heaven at the end of humanity, and it's a very interesting um, it's a very interesting passage, because it describes it descending from the heaven, and it lands, and God says it's finished, and all the work is done, and then we all go off and enjoy this place that's made of all these beautiful, beautiful stones. And again, these are things that are very symbolic, and they meant something to the people at the time. A lot of what it meant is completely lost to us now. Is Revelations Old Testament? It's New Testament. It's New Testament. Okay. It's the very final book of the New That's Testament. Right. And again, it's predict. It's really written so that people there will go, oh, this means that. The seven hills mean the Roman Empire. There's a beast that comes It'd out of the It'd be really good if every Bible uh-huh. came with um, an annotation like... Uh, James Joyce's Ulysses needs uh-huh. because everything is a reference to something else. Right. Because people believe that this is literal. Mm-hmm. Like, people in this country who are in charge of things believe that this is literal. Right. Which is, we. I know we said earlier you can't say that people are insane because it doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. It's insane to believe that this is literal. Also, uh, if this is literal and you want to go there, that is also insane. Yes, and what I find very odd is that people who will want who people who want this literal interpretation of Revelations, they'll take this literally, but they'll pick and choose and say, "Okay, the but, seven... But Jesus was speaking in right. metaphor. But not just that. There's also a seven-headed monster that rises from the sea. There's creatures that come from the bottom of the bottomless pit because. Uh, one of Lucifer's agents has a huge key that turns it. And again, these are things that all meant a great deal to them. And the references to some books of the Bible that were never uh, included. That weren't included, right? right like the Book of Enoch. Um, things that are completely lost, that we have no idea what they meant. They're referring to scriptures that or citing things that don't, haven't survived the last 2,000 years. So fundamentally, mm-hmm. if everything about it is a metaphor, what we're talking about definitionally is myth. It's really... It's, you don't like calling no, it myth. No, I don't like calling know. it a myth. I think, and I'm not sure how appropriate it is in this case, because it is meant, it is written in coded language, so that it couldn't be understood by other people. So it's more of like, there's a, it's poetry. So, but Genesis would be myth. Right, Genesis kind of as a, as, a, as a creation story, right. the way that every culture has a creation yes. story. This is the Hebrews... creation story this yeah this is a poem like what's the 
Is it Song of Songs? What's the one that's got all the sex in it? That's this, uh, yes, <laughs> Song of Songs. It song is song. like a like Pablo Neruda poetry. Oh, right, and it actually is is very explicit. If you read the book, it's this heaven is frightening to you. This right? heaven is frightening to anyone with any modicum of mm-hmm. sense. Because where am I in this? Right. I don't want to. I don't want to bow. And if if what I have to do mm-hmm. for the rest of eternity is bow and say, "Holy, holy, holy, you're the best. You're the greatest." Right. I'd rather yeah. burn in hell. Well, those are the twenty-four <laughs> elders and the four beasts. That's what, their job. That's their job, right? <laughs> and so, in the very end, <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> it's, it's just bananas. But one of the, the lovelier passages describes how their heaven eventually is filled with. A crowd of people of all races, colors, and creeds. It's too great to count. And it's, they eventually, they're just, it's joyous. They're happy. They're. If, if that's true and uh, it was written at this time. Right. Then you don't have to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior to go to heaven. That's what we're going to talk about next. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Because in two thousand mm. two thousand years ago, when this was ostensibly right. written, a very few people knew about Jesus. Right. Let alone have taken him as uh, in yeah. as his Lord and Savior. If if all races, mm. colors, and creeds yes. were were showing up in heaven, that means it's a universal. Come on in. Seems right. like which is an actual doctrine that believes that everyone gets to go into heaven. Unless, of course, you've done something horribly, horribly wrong, then you need to pay penance before you go in. But let's, that's a uh, teaching. I'm going to have you quote Jesus, and just be, yeah, when you say it, it's going to be a little confusing, but I'll explain it afterwards. Okay. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way, you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, 1-6. So the first part of this is him describing, Jesus describing, what happens after, because he's talking to them about, they're going to take me away. This literally sounds like the good place. <laughs> and I'm going to die. Many mansions. And that's what he says. That's all he almost all of what he says about it. It's like he makes references. You're going to, to be housed in the afterlife, right. almost like you should be housed in real life. And uh, I'll be back, yo. <laughs> right. He's saying, I'm going to go someplace. When I'm going there, I will make sure there's room for you. And then I'll come back. Took him three days. Right. Checked it out. Right. And then he makes knocking room for on you. the doors. And space here? Cool, cool, cool. But to cover the last thing that it says, I'm the way to truth and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And when I was younger, that meant one thing. That meant, oh, well, you have to accept Jesus Christ to become your Lord and Savior. But as I grew older, it meant something else as well, which is no one comes to the Father except through me means that you're not reaching God unless you're following what he said. Right. Not just his sacrifice, but if you're taking a point of view in any religious belief that is not about love and humility and compassion, then you're not going to... Right. If you don't love your neighbor as yourself... And it doesn't matter. Yeah. So I said some things. Do the things I said. Right. 
I'm not the important one, even though I'm right. saying I'm the important one. Also, it feels like he's, they say mm. St. Peter's at the right. at the gate, right? Letting you in and out. But it sounds more like Jesus is right. the one See, who's that, like, that's the, the, yay or nay on who's getting in. Right. The, the bouncer of heaven. <laughs> what he's describing there is telling them, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go somewhere. And they're going, where are you going? <laughs> right? I'm going to make a home for us. And then I'll come back and get you. You'll see me again. And when I do, you'll be able to live there. And where I am, you'll be also. And this is they, also uh-huh. different than what we talked about earlier, which is heaven is later. Mm-hmm. Like, after right. everything here is done, right. it's later. Well, we talked about hell being later. Oh, is, oh hell, that's right. Hell, hell is, is later. I'm sorry. When the end of the world, supposedly. Again, this is from Revelations. The idea that at the end of the judgment of the world, then all the demons of the world, since there's no use for them anymore because we're living in heaven, all of them get put down for their eternal punishment. Gotcha. And people who are wicked get put down there with them, according to some, forever. So, okay. But God, the idea So of define being, wicked, <laughs> and that is where we get into trouble. Right, that's where we get into trouble. Now, in terms of what Jesus is describing when Thomas, again, yes, that Thomas, that the doubter? Right. <laughs> the and doubter? And there's a perfect example of his kind of <laughs> doubting. He says, well, where are you going? And, you know, how do we get there? When he's saying, I'm the way, it's like, you can go through me. I'll be the person who lets you in. I'm the elevator to heaven. Right. But, but not necessarily right. by... He's not, right, he's not describing... By, by action, not by word. Right. Gotcha. So that's really what he's saying. Uh, another example in Saint uh, in the Book of John, um, he says, "I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not know his uh, does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and he runs away. So he's making this metaphor about how shepherds used to. That's a metaphor. What yeah. happened before? <laughs> not a metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry. But Go when he goes on to say it. Uh, I'm the good shepherd, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. And he goes on to say, there are some sheep that are not from my pen, but I'll make room for them too. Yeah. And so he's talking about not just the idea of you believed in me or you accepted me as your personal Lord and Savior. That's... See previous. In. See our previous section right. about Welton Gaddy and the Interfaith Alliance mm-hmm. and the idea that... All faith is faith. Right. Good action is good action. Right. That's what matters to God. Uh, the only other real statement that Jesus makes about heaven is to tell people, well, he's on the, the cross. The, the camel, the eye of the needle, he right. didn't say that? He did say that. Which, which men right. can't get in there? <laughs> rich, hey, billionaires, rich to you're going to burn in hell? Well, right, camels <laughs> go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to get into heaven. But one of the other statements he makes, because he makes elliptical kind of statements right. about heaven. He makes elliptical statements about everything. But he, he's... Uh, At uh, least what we get are elliptical right. statements and about everything. what I find interesting is how often the disciples are saying, could you just tell us what, what you mean by that? Yeah. And then later on going, oh, that's... Break it down. Tell me like I'm five. Right. But, yeah. But the, the, uh, he's being crucified at the very end. And he's being crucified between a thief and a liar. Excuse me, a thief and a murderer. 
right. <laughs> like how do, he's getting <laughs> he's getting right. crucified for lying. What? Well, this is under Roman rule. God only knows what you can do. Depends on who you lie to, I suppose. <laughs> he's divided between a thief and a murderer, okay. and the murderer starts mocking Jesus, saying, "Well, if you are who you say you are, then." Get us down from these crosses, and we'll we'll follow you. I'll I'll come with you, right? And the thief goes, well, you know, shut up. First of all, <laughs> right? that ain't happening. He says, we deserve what we did. Right. We did something wrong. We got caught. Our bad. And we knew the consequence right. for what we did. We did. Which is. Crucifying somebody for thievery is also right. like pretty wild. Murder, I get. Right. They do the eye for the eye. I don't agree well, with no, it, but, again, but I get this, it. This was the Romans. I know. Right. So it was an eye for an eye situation, and I know it was the Romans, mm. and not from that's a Christian saying. I don't know who said it or where it comes from in the Bible, but uh, but that was mm-hmm. they they killed you if you murdered somebody. Right. That is that was Roman law too. That was basically the the Lex Talonis. The law of the the, the claw is what it, what the it law translates. Law of the claw. Uh, it sounds like an action movie or something. Yeah, it does. But um, they <laughs> The law of the claw. That uh, yeah, it sounds like the next Wolverine movie. Actually, uh, the but the idea was if you you know if you did something wrong, you were given equal measure of punishment for right. it. So I'm not sure. Which is, the thief is like, right. it feels extreme. Kind of what did you, from, you yeah, know. and what did you steal? Right. Was it someone's whole life? Right. Was it their lady? Was like, it a Roman's? Well, Roman. yes, of course. Or uh, was it, yeah, mm-hmm. did you steal from Pontius Pilate? Right. That's why you're up there. Oops. But, but I, both of them understood the consequences right. of their actions. And so he says to Jesus, Remember when you me when you go into your kingdom, and Jesus tells him, "Today you'll be with me in paradise." So it's not even like you don't have to wait for it. You'll be with me right now. Right now, because I'm going right now. Right, you can come with me. Get in the car. You. (laughs) His picture of that's kind of he doesn't ask for more than that, which is amazing to me. It's like he's not asking for a full. Be decent. Right. Even if you're being hot, like crucified mm. for a crime, right? Be decent. All that he did was like, yes, I acknowledge that I did something wrong. Ooh, it's like confession, right? Exactly. So, and he confessed to the exact right person. This is why he, this character is known in the scriptures, or at least in tradition, as the good thief, because I, I know, wound up being good. I, I know. know. I roll my eyes. But, um, but anyhow, so yeah, Jesus' idea of heaven is even more inclusive than the strange coded language of, of revelations. Mm-hmm. What people are doing now, uh, especially in the evangelical movement, there's all sorts of ideas about heaven that are really based on people who claim to have gone there. I died for half an hour and I came back, I saw this or that or this. And there are people who make those claims. I remember my mom uh, had an experience in childbirth twice. Uh, once in childbirth when she was going to give birth to me, uh, and then previously had an experience where she actually was floating down a tunnel toward a light. That is she had a no way of, very common. Right. She had no, She did not know that that was common until about 10 years later. Oh, really? Okay. Because right, I was born in 1969, and it wasn't until my you know, childhood obsession with 
all things paranormal and unusual. Right. That she's that, like, de- yeah, near death experiences. She really got were... freaked out when she heard someone talk about that because she said that happened to me. I um, would think that would be comforting. Yeah. To well, know that you were not the only one. But she thought for the life of her that it was something that happened to her because uh, she was dreaming or she had, you know, she thought it was just this very strange occurrence that happened to her. At one point, in the second time when she was giving birth to me, she felt as if, you know, these voices were coming. Oh, she's coming again. Will she come this time? No, not this time. Or something. And then she just wakes up. So she had no idea what it meant. And then when she saw this in the context of a lot of other people saying the same thing, it uh, was sort of shocking for her. And then eventually it was comforting. But in the beginning, it was, you know... Not to speak ill of the dead or mm-hmm. your family. Why not? Uh, if she believed what she believed... Uh-huh and behaved the way she behaved, heaven wasn't where she was going. Well, there's people, like, when we early talked about Pat Robertson, here's a man who keeps foisting the blame on God when he says, I can't change the message. Yeah, that's but wild. the message that God That feels clear. like he's going to get somewhere, and God's going <laughs> to be like, get my name <laughs> out your mouth. <laughs> right, no smacking. <laughs> Um, but you'll, you'll <laughs> you, you, when you get slapped, you'll take it and you'll like it. <laughs> Watch um, our listen to our other podcast. Right. But it really feels like the again, Jesus is opening this up, and I'm promising you shelter. Yeah, and I'm promising you fellowship. And this other version of it is twisted, many eyes, and and lot, lots of people with crowns waving down all the time. So, yeah, and that's the one that people want to believe is literal, right? Because it's uh, because, and meanwhile, everything that Jesus said, right? Mm. Because this is ambiguous. Like, what do I do when I get there? What's going to happen? So you don't need to know, and that's it's yeah, it's not for you to know. Right? You'll know when you get it's there. It's like you cannot explain something so complex to really what well, not uh, not to say that the disciples themselves are simple. The idea is again the, the idea that any human mind right can conceive could conceive of any creator at all right is fallacious and it's like a delusion of grandeur. If mm. you think that you have an idea of what created the world right other than a physics from a physics standpoint, mm. if you if you have any notion of the creator it, right. And you believe that a hundred percent? Like we can't. It shows a huge it. lack of humility. Yeah, it's a it's a hu- it's a hubris right. that I don't understand. Like that's kind of why I'm agnostic because mm-hmm. I'm like I'm a person, right? And if there is another thing that is celestial, there's no way my brain can comprehend that, right? Uh, and I think that that's true of everyone, well, spend... which is why I think there are so many. I I am a person who believes, and I think I said this right, right. when we started that. I believe that there, as many human beings are on this earth, that's mm-hmm. how many religions there are. Because it's so specific to what your brain can comprehend right. and what you think. And, and that's true. I think that each person who's an atheist has their own form of religion as well. Yes. So, and it's individualized. It might have a lot in common with a lot of other people, mm-hmm. but your own relationship with that unknowable aspect of humanity. Right. Where did we come from? And then what happens next? 
is individualized to each individual. Oh, no. Each person. I absolutely believe that. That's one of the things that Jesus was teaching. You know, his whole thing about public prayer. You no, know, go into your closet yep. and pray to God alone. You know, don't recite prayers that have been said over and over again. And he gave a formula for how you can pray, but he's talking very much about a personal relationship with God that's between you and God. Yeah. It's and none of my business, none of your business, right. none of every, anybody's business. And you can share that in the community of other like-minded people, but at the same time, in the end, it's going to be you. It's not the, there was a whole notion of corporate salvation back in the day, which is the whole nation had to lament their sins, the whole nation had to cry out to God to be saved, and there are still people who have this notion. But the truth of the matter is what Jesus was teaching is it's not everyone. Somebody else's sin is not going to cause you to go to hell. Yeah, it's none of your business. And also, hell. it's none of your business. Right. And I'm pretty sure in the Bible, it says multiple times, right. it's not for you to judge. Jesus says, judge not lest ye be judged. Mm? Jesus says that. Mm? You know, that guy. Do you know who's judging you, though? God, because that's the one who's supposed to judge everybody. Right. I mean, exactly. hypothetically. <laughs> <laughs> Not well, to you, but to me. <laughs> we believe different things. Okay. But look, I still think you're going to heaven. That's nice. There's a mansion for you, too. Mm, the majority of people who call themselves Christian in this country do not ab- agree with you. Which is the problem with Christianity so I can be in this country. on their right side, or I can be on Jesus' side. I That's choose true, Jesus. which is sad and wrong. That brings us to the end of this week's episode. If you liked it, please subscribe, leave us a review, and share it with somebody. A friend, a relative, whatever you want. We have an internet at home with OutWorksPodcast.com. The show notes and links to stories we talk about can be found there. You can find us on Twitter at WithoutWorksPod. Not very much, but a little bit. Facebook at uh, by searching for WithoutWorks in the search bar. And by email at withoutworkspod at gmail.com. But all of those are easy links on the website. So head over there to take a look around. I've been Amity and he's been Lemuel. And we urge you to go out and do something good. Yeah!